Welcome back to another edition of On the Record, the Daily Iowans Weekly News Podcast, where we break down the paper's top headlines from the week. I'm your host, Eleanor Hildebrandt, and I'm here with our co-producers, Meg Doster and Colin Yee. This week's episode is a special edition discussing the second anniversary of COVID-19 within Johnson County, Iowa, and we have four special guests. We will be chatting with Daily Iowa news reporters Kate Perez and Ryan Hansen, as well as news editor Sabina Martin. We will also check in with news reporter Sam Nupp about his story on how immunocompromised people are being impacted by the return to normalcy as the transmission of COVID-19 continues. Whether you're in the car, at home, or in the classroom, we'd like to welcome you to this Friday, April 1st edition of On the Record. In case you missed anything from last week, the DI's top headlines can be found on our website. This week, the Daily Iowan reported on... Two years after the pandemic began, some COVID-19 patients are experiencing long-term symptoms, including difficulty multitasking and short-term memory issues, as well as respiratory problems and even seizures. While some of them report eventually recovering, many are left without a prognosis. On Tuesday, the Food and Drug Administration authorized a second booster dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech or the Moderna COVID-19 vaccines for people over the age of 50 and those who are immunocompromised. The decision comes alongside drops in the number of residents testing positive this week in Johnson County. You can read all these stories and more in the Daily Iowans print editions on Mondays and Wednesdays or online anytime at dailyiowan.com. News reporter Kate Perez is here to chat with us about her story on the changes in higher education institutions, both financially and instructionally, over the two years of the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome, Kate. We're really excited to have you on this week. How has everything been going? It's good. How are you? I'm good. Hanging in there. Who did you talk to for this story, and what did they have to say about how things have changed throughout the pandemic in the higher education experience? Yeah, so I talked to Rachel Young from the journalism school, and I talked to Sandy Dak Hirsch from the College of Nursing, and they both kind of said how in their programs that are, that are completely different have had to be really resilient and kind of roll with the punches that happen. Rachel Young talked about how the pandemic has kind of opened her mind to new ways of learning and new modalities of learning, especially online learning and how that can be beneficial for students depending on their schedule. And Dak Hirsch kind of talked about how her program had to be really, really resilient because they had to figure out how to come in person and still be safe and get all the hours done for their clinicals and everything. Yeah, I think resiliency and adaptability are two of the things that we'll see the most in this episode of the podcast that we've seen through through these different chapters of our second year COVID edition. How have classes been conducted during this pandemic as it's progressed? What has changed over time from, say, 2020 to 2021, now into 2022? Online classes are much more common. Hybrid classes are much more common. Maybe you can go in person or you can go online, depending on if you are immunocompromised or not. And so teachers have kind of become a lot more chill about attendance and about sicknesses and absences because they know that there's COVID and there's a pandemic and things are the way they are. For sure. And kind of switching gears a little bit away from the instruction side, obviously the pandemic impacted higher education and a plethora of other institutions and industries when it comes to finances and money. So how has the University of Iowa specifically made up for the financial issues that have been caused by the COVID-19 pandemic? Are there still financial issues that the University of Iowa is facing two years into this pandemic? 
Yeah, so the UI lost over $185 million from March of 2020 till February of 2021 because of refunds to students, tuition revenue losses, resp- COVID response expenses, and state budget cuts. But they received a lot of federal aid. They received aid from the Higher Education Emergency Relief Fund, which got to be distributed out to students. And so that's kind of a way that they have been able to maybe not make up the money, but to have aid to give out to students who need it the most. For sure. And in both of these topics, higher education looks a lot different now than it did, say, three or four years ago. So how is higher education supposed to continue to adapt because of this pandemic and where we are in this new stage when we're talking in in March of 2022? Yeah, I think it's just going to have to continue to be flexible, continue to be ready for anything that might happen. You know, if there's a COVID spike and everything rises a ton and, and cases rise a ton, you never know what could happen. And I think higher education as a whole will just need to be watching the numbers and be ready to switch because now we have those double more methods than before. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and chatting with us today, Kate. We can't wait to have you back sometime soon. Thank you so much for having me. Next up, we have news editor Sabina Martin, who wrote a story about how the pandemic has impacted recent nursing school graduates and their experiences beginning in their field. Welcome, Sabina. We're excited to have you on the podcast as a guest again today. How has your week been going so far? It's been busy, but it's been great. And so can you tell us a little bit about what kind of experiences your sources had as they entered the workforce for the very first time during the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, so I spoke to two nurses who work at uh, UHC, and one nurse worked in the ICU, so obviously saw a lot of COVID patients throughout her career. And the other one works in the mother-baby care unit, so she she still sees COVID patients because a lot of uh, pregnant mothers come in with COVID-19, which can be, you know, really dangerous. So both of them had experiences with using PPE very early on in their careers. Um, And the interesting thing was they were also both recent College of Nursing grads, so they really were just thrown into this pandemic. Both of them said they weren't expecting ever to have to live through a pandemic, and especially during the start of their nursing career. I think they definitely, you know, specifically one told me that they saw five people die during one of their first shifts as an ICU nurse. And I think that's really telling just what nurses are experiencing and especially new nurses. So it was interesting to hear their their stories. Yeah, definitely a really important perspective to have when we talk about this pandemic and and where we are right now. And so, as you mentioned, they were recent grads from from nursing schools. And so how did their experiences in those schools and programs prepare them for the pandemic? And what were some of the things that they didn't really expect? Yeah, so other than just experiencing death really early on, I think just it's just like exhausting to be in a hospital uh, working really long shifts. And they both were pretty humble with their, you know, they didn't say they were burnt out yet, but they said that, you know, all the nurses around them are by this point. So they they didn't give that credit to themselves yet because they just started and one of them is only about 20 months into her job. So, um, but specifically at school, I think that they had, you know, they had to do 255 hours of interning at UI hospitals and clinics. So they had to be in COVID conditions during that because it was still during the, you know, height of the pandemic, they had their internship. They really learned in those circumstances around COVID-19 and are even t- even told me that now it's weird that COVID cases are lower and they're seeing non-COVID, they're seeing non-COVID patients come in, which is different to them, which is something they never expected. 
Yeah, definitely a lot of surprises for healthcare professionals who are entering the field right now. And so kind of zooming out, obviously, this is a larger issue than just individual people, all these frontline workers. And so how has nursing at UIHC specifically been impacted by the pandemic over this two-year period? Yeah, so I also spoke with a UIHC administrator, and she said that basically retention for employees at UIHC was 90% before the pandemic, but now has decreased quite a bit. And also, there's been a lot of staff turnover, so a huge increase in that. And that's mostly due to people retiring, maybe potentially early. People just want a break from the pandemic. They might come back after the pandemic, whenever that is. And then a lot of nurses are leaving like full-time nursing for travel nursing, which has been known to pay more for nurses. So basically, travel nurses come in, they get less training in hospitals, and they just are thrown kind of wherever the hospital needs them, and they are paid more because the way that they have to do their job, I guess it's harder because they're doing more specialized things in different units. So they are paid more than the normal nurse is. Yeah. And speaking of traveling nurses, your story specifically mentioned that some hospitals are experiencing shortages of nurses. Could you tell us a little bit about what experts are expecting in the field in the coming years as there is a bigger dependency on these traveling nurses? Nationally, there's been a nursing shortage for a while, but that definitely has been a bigger conversation topic since the pandemic started and healthcare workers are just exhausted. So the American Nurses Association basically reported that 500,000 registered nurses are expected to retire. So that's a huge part of the workforce and that's by 2022. So it's ongoing right now. And even, you know, I talked about earlier, UHC is seeing a lot of people retire already. So the nurse population is pretty old or they're just ready to retire. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics predicted that there's a need for over 1 million new nurses in the next couple of years. So we're going to really see, you know, probably College of Nursing schools try to increase their enrollment quite a bit to keep up with this need for nursing. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being on today, Spina, for your first time this semester. Hopefully we can have you on sometime soon to chat about something else yeah thank you so much for having me now we have news reporter ryan hansen here to talk about his story on how the pandemic has impacted iowa city's economy over these past two years welcome ryan we're excited to have you on the podcast as a guest again today how has your week been going so far pretty good very busy for sure but definitely having some fun this week Yes, lots of stories that have your byline are out this week, so those can always be checked up on on our website. Who did you talk to for this story, and what did they have to say about the impact the pandemic had on the economy within the Iowa City community? So who I talked to was a city councilor, a member of the city staff, and the executive director of the Iowa City Downtown District, Nancy Bird. I also spoke with James Weiner, the Iowa City City Councilor, and Nicole Davies, the Iowa City Finance Director. And basically what they all had to say was, of course, the pandemic has had a a stark impact on Iowa City's economy and and businesses. And it's, it's caused a massive sort of shift within the operations of Iowa City's economy, all three of them pointed to shifts to online ordering and a lot more eating outside, which we saw, especially through the first year of the pandemic. They all sort of said the same thing, that the pandemic has had a marked impact on Iowa City. Yeah, it definitely has. And so how have these businesses within Iowa and within Iowa City recovered or managed the impacts of the pandemic as it continues and these businesses stay open? Yeah, so what we saw was obviously a lot of pivots, as I mentioned, online ordering and dining outside. And so businesses had to create that flexibility for consumers. 
What we also saw was a large influx of money coming from federal, state, and local governments. Of course, on the federal level, we saw the Paycheck Protection Program helping out businesses here in Iowa City and across the country with money that businesses could apply for. Councillor Weiner said businesses received funds from the Iowa City City Council, and those funds were aggregated at the beginning of the pandemic to help support businesses. So businesses have really recovered because of support from the government levels, city, state, and federal. And so kind of taking a step back and, and looking at this on broader terms, how has the pandemic impacted Iowa City as a whole? How many businesses have been created over this time or have shut down over this time? I spoke to Nancy Bird for a lot of this information, and she's the executive director of the downtown district, as I mentioned earlier. So she has a large purview over different aspects of Iowa City's downtown area. And what she told me was that they saw multiple businesses shut down. Uh, I believe the number she said was four or five, and that opened up a lot of space. Obviously, it's unfortunate that these businesses had to shut down because of the pandemic, but she said that as we've come through you know, multiple variants of COVID-19, we've seen different businesses move in. So Bird talked a bit about unimpaired, and that was one of those businesses that was able to move into the vacated space created by some of the business closures during the pandemic. So just generally, the businesses of Iowa City have been certainly heavily impacted. But on the flip side of the coin, there's been a lot of opportunities also created for different businesses to move in and take a foothold here in Iowa City. Yeah, lots of different shuffling and shifting around within the community and within these storefronts and such. We're obviously in another stage of the pandemic. Most mask mandates are gone within the United States. CDC guidance has changed for the umpteenth time. So how are the city and the businesses within this community moving forward as we move back into something that resembles more of the normalcy before 2020? Yeah, so again, I'll point to what I heard from Nancy. She said, a lot of what we've seen is about fighting through the biggest impacts of the pandemic, including financial and, and labor shortages and supply shortages, and coming out on the other side, you know, better than they were prior to the pandemic. So what we've seen throughout the pandemic with shifts to online ordering has become sort of a normal thing within Iowa City, and businesses are just trying to move forward as if that is the new normal. We've also seen a lot more outdoor dining areas and a lot more flexibility in terms of dining for consumers who may be worried about the pandemic still. What I heard from Nancy was that's sort of the evolution of where we were going anyway, and the pandemic just sort of accelerated that. And so with a lot more flexible options now for consumers, Iowa City businesses are hoping to flourish on the other side of the pandemic. All right, well, thank you so much for hopping on and chatting with us today, Ryan. We always love learning more about the Iowa City community and the economy here. So hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. Awesome. I'd love to be here. Thank you. Finally, today we have news reporter Sam Nup on to talk about his story on the move back to normalcy and what it means for immunocompromised individuals. Welcome, Sam. We're excited to have you back today as a guest. How has your week been so far? It's been good. It's been busy, but it's, it has been wonderful. Good. We love, we love to hear that. And so could you explain when someone is considered to be immunocompromised and what challenges an individual who is immunocompromised may have faced during the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, so immunocompromised people have something, whether it's an illness or even some kind of medication that they're taking that basically makes their immune system less effective than it previously was, or just less effective, period. And that makes them more vulnerable to various diseases. And so a lot of immunocompromised people, while we have all come out of lockdown, while we have all stopped quarantining, while a lot of us 
have stopped wearing masks. They're having to do all of those things. And some of them are still stuck in their house. And, and so it's been a difficult time, not only with not being able to do some of the things they love, not being able to get back to their jobs, but also just that feeling of isolation. For sure, definitely a, a group of people 